Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 146 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is a cackling Paris. <laughs> because I messed Welcome. up the intro a second ago. Yeah, sorry. It was really funny. I thought you were going to say, uh, this is episode 146 of the Terrible Book Paris. And that's why I started yeah. cracking up. Um, it hello. is, though. This is the 146 Terrible Book Paris and Terrible Book Chris. That's true. It is. Hello, I'm Paris. Anytime. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we can't speak today, so this is going to go great. This is what happens when you have to record two episodes back to back on one of the hottest days of the year. Yeah. This time, we read Identity Switch, Becoming the Woman Who Gets What She Wants by April Mason. Because it's self-help September. Over here at Terrible Book Club, self-heptember. It's self-tember. Yeah, that's what it is. Sure. I, I actually don't know. Um, this was an act. This is a scheduling accident. Welcome to our mistake. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I found this during an Amazon short reads dive as usual because it's only eighty-seven pages or so. Eight eighty-six. Yeah. Honestly, I went for it only because it kind of gave some ho tactics vibes. It's giving ho tactics, as the TikTok kids would say. I think. Was that a Twitter? I don't know what that is. I'm. It's it's I shouldn't I shouldn't try to do that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's generally younger people of color, like people who are maybe like ten years younger than us, maybe seven. So yeah. I'll stop trying to be cool. Yeah. It's giving uh it's giving cringy white supremacy. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh this is your first time listening to the show. What we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. And sometimes, like today, we just read weird shit Chris finds on Amazon. Uh, but in general, we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet and looking for something to read. And usually this experiment results in a disappointing and hilarious review. But once in a while, we end up liking the book. Content warnings today, uh, in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or mention of stereotypical Western patriarchal gender role stuff, uh, but otherwise, I don't know, we very, very, very briefly just kind of glance off of the, I don't know, abuse statue, we don't actually look at it or do anything with it, there's some stuff mentioned. <sighs> All right, Chris, you want me to read the back of this book? Sure. Okay. 
Are you ready to become the woman who gets what she wants? Have you been waiting for a sign that now is the time for you to stop playing small, taking what life gives you, the excuses, and living in the past? Well, here is your sign. You can have it all. It just requires a new version of you to rise up. No matter how much we would like to believe that we have evolved, the truth will always be in our results. They don't lie. In Identity Switch, April Mason will guide you through the steps it will take to transform and rewire your mind in a humorous, informative, and straightforward way. This book is for the woman who is fed up with the current life the old version of her has created. If you're ready to make the mental, emotional, and spiritual changes to get the life you want, then this book is your blueprint. Get excited. You are about to embark on the most challenging yet fulfilling thing you've ever done. All right. Our characters and setting here, uh, we have... You, a woman who wants to get what she wants to get. Uh, and it is the present time. You are most likely an African-American woman. Uh, probably that seems to be kind of the general uh, audience for this book. Uh, and otherwise, uh, the author herself, April Mason, uh, gives you advice and talks a little bit about herself. So that, that's what we got going on here. Um, Chris, do you, do you want to read the our summary of the book? Yeah, and I got real general on this one. It's pretty short, and I just kind of wanted to outline sort of the way that April herself breaks down the topics in the book. And it basically comes down to, if you want to change your lifestyle, you should fake it till you make it. The chapter titles in this book outline the areas you should work to change. Mindset, femininity, habits, standards, environment, style, friendships, money, self-care, men, and lifestyle. April is generally walking you through these concepts and giving you some anecdotes of her life and how that led to her changing her mindset in some of these areas and maybe a handful of questions at the end of each chapter to consider as you think about these certain topics. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, she just tells you kind of what worked for her and what, you know, by changing the way you think about yourself and doing some things differently in your life, your life can be a better, or your life can be better and you can be a better version of yourself. It's kind of basic self-help shit in a lot of ways. Um, all right, so let's talk about the things that were good. All right, things that were good about this book. The writing was fine. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was simple and to the point, which is honestly how a self-help book should be. Uh, I think this was also a good length for a self-help guide. It was... You know, a generous 86 pages because the font was kind of big. It's, you know, we're probably talking like 60 pages or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, easy to understand. I never read a sentence and was like confused about what it meant or what the subject <laughs> or object was. Yes, you know, in glaring uh, contradiction to what the last book we read was like. Yeah, this is a this is a total, totally different different piece of piece of work here um so yeah i mean it was generally understandable it's clearly meant for uh oh you know a wide audience you're trying to with self-help books you know most of the time you're usually trying to hit a very large market like like literally everyone or like a very large subset of the population like all women or you know all black women or something so because you're trying to reach a large audience with self-help books usually they're kind of written in a very you know very basic step-by-step -step manner. They're trying to teach you how to do something, right? And a book that's trying to teach you how to do something shouldn't be overly complicated. Um, it should break things down for you in pretty simple language. And this book does that. So it succeeds there. 
I found it to be. This isn't the greatest comparison now that I'm thinking about no, it. No, it's, it's really not. <laughs> it's sort I mean, because at the start when I thought about identity switch and like trying to get what you want, it's really the get what you want that made me make the comparison in the first place. Um, and I considered it to perhaps be sort of a healthier version of Ho Tactics. No, there's no to be clear, there's absolutely no advocating that you're tricking someone or fooling someone or trying to extract wealth from a mark or anything like that at all anywhere near this book but i suppose ho tactics is talking about how to get what you want by manipulating others into providing for you but this book asks you to get what you want by turning inward and changing your mindset about things so it's actually pretty far as far as you can get from a ho tactics in pretty much every way. So it's a trash comparison that I've just made there. But uh, I don't know. I think we could make comparisons from this book to a lot of the other self-help books that we've read, obviously, and there's a ton of them. Um, I guess I want to start with the fact that I'm a person that's always struggled with a mindset that assumes people don't want to hear from me or that I'm bothering them by existing or asking them for help or something. And changing my mindset is a very part is a, is a very important part of becoming someone I'd rather be. That is someone with valuable social connections and mutually beneficial friendships, as well as someone that values themselves enough to think that I'm not bothering other people just by simply, you know, striking up a conversation with them. Most of the time I'm viewing this through the lens of my music making because I generally kind of feel isolated from others that also make music because I isolate myself a lot of the time. I assume other musicians wouldn't want to work with me, um, which is why I end up feeling very surprised when they do, which isn't a, honestly, it's not a great attitude to have because it makes people like if you if that comes across to other people, they're like, oh, why? Why is he surprised about that? Is there something that I'm not reading here? Um, and the more I change my thought patterns to start from the assumption that people aren't disgusted to hear from me, the better chance I have at building a web of support because I'm allowing myself to put myself out there. Training yourself does not start from a place where you assume you're worthless can be difficult, but worthwhile, ultimately. And it's something that I still struggle a lot with. And this book asks you to put yourself into that thought process and change in order to better your life and i can generally agree with it yeah and i think um i think it does it in a pretty responsible way too in that it doesn't encourage you to fake it to you make it to the point where you're like lying to people and doing like threaten shit uh if y'all don't know about threaten that's classic musician example of this that's, that's a story for another time of like someone taking fake it to you make it to uh really really bad bad lows i should say uh so i i just thought that it was good that april tells people you know you should you should definitely know your know that you're worthwhile uh but don't pretend to have money and status that you don't have you know she doesn't outwardly say that but um i feel like a lot of self-help books will tell you to do shit like that which i think is not good. I think that goes too far in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, but a lot of self-help books do take it to that point. It's pretty common. And April is careful not to advocate for that. You know, she just tells you, hey, you gotta you gotta change the way you think about yourself. You gotta think about yourself more positively. You have to check in with yourself. And she advocates that you actually list the things 
that you either need or want. Um, and check in with yourself like this every once in a while. And I think that's actually a really solid piece of advice that a lot of people don't do. Um, I just feel like she does actually a pretty a, a pretty good job of convincing the reader to invest in introspection. Uh, much, much, she did a much better job than uh, Mr. Masri from our last review. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially, especially since she provides coherent guiding questions at the end of every chapter, which I thought was a really positive counterpart to the sort of like rambling <laughs> attempted summaries of Masri's chapters. Yeah, um, keyword coherent there. Well, Very keyword. And, and like they it actually works though. And I know I know this is uh maybe seems a little silly, but honestly, a lot of self-help books don't do simple things like this. They'll they'll just tell you to like do something or think in some way, but then not actually give you the steps to get there to to do it like how do i do it they just tell you what to do they don't tell you how and a really smart and simple thing that april does is at the end of every chapter she lists guiding questions that you know when you're checking in with yourself about this thing that you should ask yourself and that'll actually help you get to what she's telling you to do and i can give you an example here um at the end of chapter one it's about mindset and at the end the questions to ask yourself include who had the most influence on my childhood and beliefs? Do I default to negative thinking when something goes wrong or right? Can I see the generational patterns in my life? How do I respond when people challenge my beliefs? What do I have limiting beliefs about? Do I wonder what if all the time? Do I believe that I am worthy of a better life? Am I afraid of success? Those are all really valuable questions to ask yourself. Yes. And a lot of people don't do that. So, and that that will help you get to the point where you are following her advice and reconsidering your mindset, helping to define what it is and what you might want it to be. And how can you move between those, right? Like, I just feel like this, I gotta say, I was shocked. I didn't think I was gonna like anything about this book. And I actually... I actually think a lot of the advice in this book is really good. And this is one of the parts that is very good. It's, again, it's simple but effective. Generally, we're pretty skeptical of self-help things, I yes, feel, Paris. For, yes. I'm not entirely sure what reason, but probably just because we see a lot of people out here claiming that they can help you better yourself when really it's just some side hustle stuff as we saw with uh dating and crypto before oh, which is i think oh the, we're going to we're going to get into that we're going to yes, get into the that much better comparison to make instead of ho tactics here in terms of uh the stark difference that we can find um yeah so anyway i think this book is really effective in actually giving you a guide to do the thing they tell you to do whereas most self help books fail by either not actually telling you how to you know make this change they made oh just do it you know or they ask you to do things that are just kind of impossible for a lot of people if you don't have like the money or privilege or social connections or whatever so yeah so great i, I think that's good um another thing i really liked is that a couple of times in this book april says that you got to do more than pray and Hot damn Applause. if she ain't right. Because, <laughs> right. And and I think that, you know, uh, of course, I'm going to I'm going to say this and preface it with the fact that, like, I'm I'm white. I'm not in the black community, but we've read 
uh, several books by black authors that kind of talk about this and just, you know, I obviously have people in my life who are black uh, and there's a, there's a propensity to kind of just like, oh, just, you know, believe, just rely on faith. I mean, same shit happens for white people. I mean, look at fucking evangelicals, yeah, right? But it is, exactly. it is pretty common, um, I think, in, in black American culture that like, oh, God will provide, whatever. Um, and I just really like that she says, you know, you got to do more than pray. Like, you can have faith and that's good. You know, she doesn't say that it's bad to believe in God or anything like that, but you can't just have religious faith and lean on that for everything. You have to actually take action yourself, <laughs> you know, because you are in charge of your well-being ultimately. Um, of course, there are a lot of confounding factors to that. And, you know, depending on where you start in life and who you are and what country you're in and town and what your family's like, we're all starting at different different places in the race, right? Um, but I do really like that she says you got to do more than pray. So many self-help books are literally all about, like, trusting in a higher power and just, like, letting <laughs> God do it. So I was just like, hell yes. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for saying that you have to do more than pray. Um, Chris, you, you said that you didn't feel comfortable talking about the femininity chapter since you are not a woman, which I appreciate. But um, you said like you said you thought the heart was in the right place, except for the like yeah, masculine feminine dichotomy. And yeah, that's that that's that <laughs> thing. I'll let you talk about your uh, point of view from this first, and then we can get into that. Yeah, I was shocked to find that I pretty much agreed with like ninety five percent of what she had to say. And I'm just gonna highlight some of the things that I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like so many of my comments in the book are like, "Hell yes, fuck yes, that's right." April says, you need to reject people who tell you that you're valueless simply due to your anatomy, like, oh, you have a vagina, therefore you don't matter as much, or that your whole being boils down to a single organ or bodily function, like, you know, being a woman is just all about having a vagina and birthing babies or whatever. Uh, she says explicitly that femininity is not having your nails done or being submissive. Being thin and hot is not all it's cracked up to be. Asking for help is actually fine and good. Wear lingerie for yourself and no one else. Prioritize self-care. Give yourself grace when you fuck up. Meditate. Clean. Have hobbies that are just for fun. And tell Jessica to just shut the fuck up. And I, I love all of these because they're all great pieces of advice backed by science. Um, and when she when she talks about telling Jessica yeah, to just shut the fuck up. The study about telling Jessica to shut the fuck up was a pretty <laughs> seminal piece. <laughs> um. Okay, so unfortunately, April doesn't actually tell us that these are, you know, scientifically valid. Uh, she doesn't provide any footnotes, which was a bummer. But um, I, just, you know, from my own reading and knowledge, I, I know that all of these things are beneficial. And I was just so surprised to see so many things that I agreed with. I thought for sure this was going to be another, like, you know, cook your man meals and, and wear high heels. Like, I really did. I really made some shitty assumptions Me too. That's why this. I... Gl yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I made... I mean, that's the whole point of the show, right? Is we right. kind of judge a book by its cover and summary. And, like, it did smell like that a little bit from the outside. But we were incorrect about that, largely. Yeah. I um, was incorrect. And the I will say the telling Jessica to just shut the fuck up piece was extra funny to me because I immediately thought of uh, Jessica from Sweet Valley High, who is the worst character in that whole series. And it just made me laugh. Um, but, you know, her, her, what she actually means by that is Jessica is like 
the shitty negative voice uh, in her head. You know, that's just the name she gave it. And, you know, basically just tell tell the negative voices in your head to just shut the fuck up when all they're doing is breaking you down and not actually providing you with, I don't know, like critique, basically. Anyway, I, 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 was, I was pretty scared when towards the beginning I saw the phrase feminine surrender mode. And I was like... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Here it comes. I, and I hated I hated the phrase. I still do. But after reading the whole book, I actually think this feminine surrender mode and like living into your femininity and shit, it's it's a very clever tactic to bring people in to ideas that are actually the opposite of all that toxic masculinity, toxic femininity shit by tricking them. She lures them in with that dumb, like, alpha feminine, you know, the alpha and the omega and the feminine and the masculine bullshit. But she just twists it into the actually healthy version of that, where she's like, you should wear lingerie for yourself. And, like, you need to love yourself first. And, you know, you need to, um, sorry, like, you don't need to be thin and hot. Like, that's not what this is about. I really feel like this is just a very smart tactic by her to... Pull, lure people in with these kind of like pop culture phrases that people are attracted to like oh how to get a man like be more feminine but then she just turns it on its head and actually serves them something that's way way healthier for them than what you normally would find lurking under those particular words and phrases on the internet yeah and uh, the feminine surrender here I suppose is in part Surrendering to accepting yourself yes. for who you are right. and also what you want to be and accepting help from others. So that yep. surrender isn't to someone that is stronger or more masculine than right. you. It is surrendering to, you know, accept self-acceptance and not letting Jessica, <laughs> as scientific studies have shown, is a complete bitch to you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, take over your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I just I just think this was really clever because, you know, it tricked us. We for sure thought this was going to be another one of those like horrible Jordan Peterson realm books, you know, um, especially when she's like talking about cleaning your room. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. April. <laughs> um, <laughs> but The like, Jordan Peterson exe program is loading. Can yeah. you stop it? Oh, God. Quit. Control. Alt delete. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was pretty worried. But, you know, I got to say, April really. um surprised me i think with a lot of good advice and the only the only critique i would really have about the femininity section um is just that she does still kind of stand by this like masculine versus feminine energy thing like there's this false dichotomy but the way that she writes about it it makes me feel like this is just the only vocabulary that she knows for those things and i don't think that she actually wholeheartedly buys into that uh but i just think it's it's just the language that people have for oh you know you have these traits that are like more aggressive and determined and dominating and like traits that are more uh nurturing or whatever and like i don't subscribe to that shit like i i the needless gendering of energies and personality types is just like it's just stupid i mean i hate it but I really feel like it's just the vocabulary that she has and maybe she hasn't yet, you know, entered into the world of degendered stuff. Um, you know, this book definitely caters to like, hey, are you a cisgendered straight black woman? You know, it doesn't seem like it explores um, 
you know, queerness or anything like, or it doesn't take it into account directly. Um, so it does seem like it's a little, uh, it's a little narrow in that respect, but it doesn't, it doesn't outwardly say it's not for queer people or trans people or whatever, but just based on kind of the, the underpinnings, it seems like there hasn't really been any thought beyond kind of this like stereotypical Western patriarchal stuff. Uh, but I still think that she does a pretty good job of pushing back against it, even if that's the only language yes. she has. Um, She's asking you to shake it off in a lot of ways, but still operating under its language. Right, right. Uh, okay, and then I guess I'll let you take this last point, and then we can kind of wrap up that section. Yeah, and I, I didn't know if this really belonged to this section of how we usually divide up the show, but... So when we talk about how you and I are usually skeptical of self-help books, I think that stems from, like I said before, us feeling as if just any old person is getting out there and saying, I can help you guys. And mm -hmm. usually you and I are like, I don't know about that. Who who the fuck are you to be saying <laughs> yeah. something like this? And I find when I'm approaching a book that claims to be based around self-help, I generally dislike when it's a very generalized sort of all-encompassing holistic, you know, completely change your life kind of thing like this book does. And the stuff I tend to approach less skeptically is more specific sections of your life that can be changed with people that have experience in that segment. So something like Marie Kondo's Netflix series or books about getting you to clean your stuff up because she's an experienced organizer and has done that work for a lot of people or the many how to practice your instrument books I've read mm. for uh, musicians and stuff like that because these people are accomplished musicians and they have that. they're not trying to necessarily extrapolate that out into every aspect of your life they're saying that like hey maybe you can apply this to other areas of your life but I'm just going to talk about how you can clean up this one spot and you can take it from there if you feel it applies to other areas. So I was surprised when this book with April, I, you know, I, she doesn't have any, you know, degrees or credentials in psychoanalysis, psychology, social work, anything like that. And there's a very generalized sort of self-help thing. And I want to be careful how I approach things like that because she absolutely does have good advice to give you. And just because she doesn't have a degree or some kind of accreditation in that area doesn't mean that, you know, we shouldn't pay attention to her. But there's this weird gray area where I'm like, OK, if I'm saying that there should be a line for credibility somewhere, where do we establish that line for credibility when it is very generalized self-help like this? Well, I think that um, she is pretty clear that she has gone through these things, right? She talks about in the opening that she was living in a shelter with her three kids at one point, you know, then she went to like a transitional house and then, you know, finally got off of welfare uh, and, you know, really had some really tough kind of financial and emotional times. Um, she also shares that she kind of like, you know, basically failed a few times while she was trying to be an entrepreneur. Like, you know, she was like selling it's like fruit or flower baskets or gift baskets or something. And she was like undercharging and didn't know for a long time. And then there's another example where she was actually talking at a seminar and her car got repossessed right outside the seminar where everyone could see it. And 
I was like, wow, that's okay. You've given some examples of how you've definitely experienced these things that you're giving advice on, right? She she briefly, you know, just a one sentence kind of piece says like, yeah, I was abused as a kid and, you know, went through sexual trauma and like had a bunch of terrible boyfriends and all this stuff. So she at least gives you some kind of shallow indication that she has been through the shit and has advice because she has been through it and has actually used these things. She's very clear about like, this is how I changed my mindset to get where I am now. And if you simply Google her name or just look at their author page on Amazon, you can see that she has a legitimate bio and promotional photos. Like you can go to her website and it looks, it looks again, legitimate. I mean, it's not really the kind of thing that I would spring for, but it looks way, way more professional and put together and trustworthy than, say, Mr. Dusty himself, Gabriel Bell, from a few episodes <laughs> ago. Um, if, like, you know, if, if we remember Gabriel Bell dating in crypto, Chris and I were just like, we don't know what your credibility is. Like, he mentions that he's a dating coach, but there's nowhere you can go to, like, read testimonials or figure out what his deal is. Whereas with April Mason, you just go to aprilmason.com and there's a ton of video testimonials. It's a very nicely put together website. And guess what? She actually has stuff that you can buy right now. You don't have to wait on a hope and a prayer for some second book that maybe <laughs> she'll write like Mr. Bell. Like, everything's there. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the negative side of some of this later, but, like, if you're interested in getting more of her content, you can just go to her website and get it. It looks, again, very professional. I would not look at that website and think it was sketchy at all. It looks great. Her branding is fantastic. Even the cover of her book is interesting, right? It's a little, it's a little like self-help silly, but it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like dating in crypto. Good God. What that was, was even the cover of dating in crypto? It was, it was just like, like a, a weird It was like a bad heart. Symbol. Yeah, it was like a bad heart <laughs> and a coin or something like that. Um, yeah, and and another thing that I really want to emphasize about like what makes you want to trust April and what makes me think, okay, maybe this advice might be sound is that she doesn't try to fucking sell you on shit. She gives you everything you need in the book that you have already purchased to to get to where she you know to change your your mindset and to then change your life you there's none of this like oh buy my extended tricks tips and tricks you know in six months when it finally comes out there's none of this oh get a 150 dollar consultation with me there's none of this oh um maybe you know maybe you should join my like special chat group or whatever she doesn't she doesn't fucking beg you because she doesn't have to. She's already convinced you with her story and with her advice that you can trust her. And I because she doesn't beg you, you are more likely to go check out her shit and buy it. Like it's just it it's just fucking night and day here. Like I was thinking about Gabriel Bell this whole time and I was like, "Damn, you want to talk about dusty, my dude, to use your word." Yeah. Compared to April, Absolutely. you got something to learn, my friend. Like, uh, yes, Gabriel Bell should sign up for these <laughs> femininity courses, I guess. Because, well, I mean, and think about it. They're both they're both out there as dating coaches. But like, if you look up Gabriel Bell, you can't find shit on him. 
all you can find is like, I don't know, he's got like some social media and uh, I think that that chat thing, that chat app or whatever, I forget it was, but it doesn't look trustworthy. Like if you go to his website, you're like, I don't know about this, $150 for a consultation, that seems well, a little steep. But like, I just think the presentation is totally different. I mean, I also think the quality of advice is wildly different. Um, I don't think Gabriel Bell taught you anything in his book. We learned nothing other than you what crypto is kind of, which is easily Googleable information. Right. And free. Um, And while, you know, a lot of the things that April talks about could be found for free, I think it's it's lent some credibility by her. Yeah, I just think it comes across as genuine. She doesn't come across as someone who's trying to sell you something or um, take advantage of you or lure you in to buy more stuff. Like I said, she's very much like, hey, this is what I did. These are the questions I asked myself. And it eventually allowed me to, you know, make the life that I wanted. To be clear, That's she it. is selling things she you know, is. that you can go on her website and like you can buy her videos. There's, there is a chat app that she also has. Right. I'm not sure if that's free or paid or anything like no, that. No, it's But paid. the difference is, is again, that you're not being begged or like teased with like, well, later you'll get the real info in the other course or the other book that I'm writing later. It's just there if you so desire. If you liked this one piece of material, perhaps you would enjoy my other things as well. Instead of, well, actually, I didn't really write everything about crypto in here, guys. So uh, buy my other crypto course later. Yeah. That'll have the crypto information. Yeah. And I mean... Like, and, you know, we can talk about a, a little bit about, like, why we can kind of, if you want, we can start getting into the things that were bad here. Um, so I feel like April Mason is how you do the side hustle correctly, right? Although this is like her yes. presumably main time, main, main gig and not a side gig uh, because she's so, been so successful at it. But, you know, this is how you do it. Um, that being said, this still has like some some like girl boss vibes that I don't love. Um, I really don't like the idea that you're selling people pre-recorded like slides and videos for like $400 or something. It The price point is pretty high if you are looking to rent or buy any of her videos. I did not, I was not able to see the pricing on the app. But, like, to rent a video for two days, it was $97. And I think it was just, like, a slide deck. I don't even know if it, it might have. I guess it might it might have contained yeah, a video. Yeah, we had her. no, there was no preview. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to get that far in. So I do feel like the pricing is a little predatory, which uh, isn't great. But at least she provided what she, you know, she provided everything she needed to in the book that was, like, I forget how much identity switch was. Uh ten dollars. Ten ten bucks or whatever. Um, you know, compared to the value we got in uh dating and crypto for ten dollars, this is this is definitely Yeah, much more value money. for your dollar. Yeah. Uh yeah. Anyway, I don't I generally don't love the whole like girl boss hustle, buy my online courses and get my app. But it does seem like she is actually helping people and providing some kind of decent advice and assistance to folks. I mean, there's a ton of testimonials on her website. Of course, I have no way to know if those are like paid or coerced or friends or family or whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, I th actually, I think one is definitely her daughter. 
um, or, or something, or like a family member, but there are many more of them. Again, I don't know, but it looks a lot more convincing and like she is actually helping people even if even if the you know the upfront cost is a little much if you want to get into like her uh, uh, courses and programs. Uh, again, I do feel like the pricing is a bit predatory. I really don't think that those videos are worth, you know, $97 for 48 hours or like $400 to own. That just seems absurd. It seems absurd to charge that much for a yeah. single video. I mean, and I know the vi and the videos are long. I think they're like a couple hours each, but that's still that still is just like a price at which you are taking advantage of people. I don't think, I don't think even like VHS self-help tapes in the 90s no. were, you no. know, like hundreds of dollars. Right. Um Yeah, so that's that's sort of the downside to this, but again, it's not as bad because she's not directing you to that she's not telling you oh the secrets are really over there she's not doing any of that horrible marketing shit and and like lying to people about the content she is providing a legitimate thing that does seem to help people and she's not uh begging you for it you know which i think is just a marked difference between her and just about everyone else we've <laughs> read a self-help book from uh but anyway back to back to the bad stuff um there is uh, the foreword in this book is by Rick Ross. Yeah, that's... <laughs> which I mean, is, I, like, confusing, but then I figured yeah. out why it happened. Um, you tell. So, April uh, went to Rick Ross's Boss Up conference, and um, I found out that it cost $25,000 to attend those conferences. I mean, geez, talk about some predatory pricing. Yeah, and so, um, and I, there's a video of her presenting at the conference, so, like, presumably she actually paid to speak at it rather than being paid to speak at it, which is unfortunate, but, yeah. I mean, I guess if that got her an audience, it's her business money to do business stuff with, but... Yeah, I guess we figured out where she got her pricing model from. <laughs> <laughs> from a man whose entire career basically started when he figured out he can say the word boss really cool. I actually don't really know much about Rick Ross as a rapper. I I really have I don't do you know remember, much. Do you remember the SNL skit by the Lonely Islands like a boss? <laughs> yes, because I am it was a, white a giant it was a giant Yes, it was a giant parody of a Rick Ross song like a uh, boss. Okay. And that's kind of where he blew up, and that's why his conference is called Boss Up, is because he figured out he can go boss, and that's everyone paid the fucking out the ass. People paid twenty five thousand dollars. Jesus speaking Christ! To, well, but wasn't he? Like, but isn't he like an outrageously popular rapper who like signed to Def Jam and stuff? Like, it's not. It's not like he just says boss. He actually, I mean, but like part of the reason he is an outrageously popular rapper is because you know the way he says. Boss is part of that persona, persona. Let's say that is that is weird. I didn't make that connection in my head that he has the the unique, the unique boss pronunciation, and that's what boss boss. Oh God, we're oh, we gotta cut this. We're so white. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so it's a little weird when you're like, well, of course he wrote the forward because because it's like a paragraph, and she gave him twenty five thousand dollars. So. Kind of dilutes the uh, endorsement, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. 
oh, there's there's kind of there's like this idea that you can just sort of let go and forgive horrible shit that's happened to you without actually dealing with it through therapy or even introspection. Uh, she then later kind of she doesn't like directly readdress it, but she does actually say that you can't just let trauma go unaddressed. So I think this is just one of those examples of like, hey, I didn't really think about how to phrase this or say it and just sort of didn't go back to edit it. And it doesn't come across the way I think she intended. Uh, but that could come across as pretty contradictory um, to her other statements in the book about, like I said, making sure that you do address trauma and revisiting bad things that happened to you and thinking about how it shaped you. Uh, it's just kind of weird that all of a sudden there's this little part that's like, just let it go. And it's like, uh, I don't think that that's how that works. I mean, I assume what she's trying to say is that you shouldn't spend your time thinking about how a person hurt you a lot day to day and right. like, letting that hold right. you back, which is something that you can work through in therapy and conversations with others and that kind of thing. But it's just a little awkwardly put in that one section. Yeah, it just needs to be fin- finessed a little bit. Um, oh, boy, is there a really rough example in here about Cleopatra? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, one of my favorite parts, uh, actually. I mean, I feel kind of bad because I think this is just a common misunderstanding about, like, the history around Cleopatra because as a historical figure, she's just so mythologized and there's all these, like, pop culture, quote-unquote, facts about her that aren't true. And I think The original girl boss. Yeah, people get really wrapped up in Cleopatra. And it, yeah. Anyway, Chris, would you like to read um, the offending part? This is this is just a general warning to really avoid pop culture quote unquote facts for a book where you are like referencing things. Even if you're like, oh, there's no there's no way I'm not right about this, you should you should just you should fact check or hire someone to fact check things you say in your book because you would be surprised about yeah. all the shit that you absorb in life that is just not true and you could swear up and down that it is, but then once you you know, once you put any effort into researching it, it falls apart. So just be be wary of that. If you're like, oh, of course this is true, you know, it, it, it might not be. Here's the passage. Now let's take a little look at history. We've all heard of a woman by the name of Cleopatra. She was a very powerful woman who used her femininity to capture the hearts of Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony. Interestingly enough, she captivated two of the most powerful men of our time and with many philosophers describing her as not easy on the eyes. This clears up the idea that feminine women have to look like Beyonce or a Kardashian, which couldn't be further from the truth. Although Cleopatra's physical beauty was not deemed one of her assets, she used femininity, intellect, and charm to her advantage. She spoke several languages, proficient in astronomy, mathematics, economics, politics, and philosophy. When she entered a room, she owned it. She had something that made men want her and women want to be her. Probably the throne of Egypt. Oh, yes, the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> a fucking royal throne. Political power so vast you could barely imagine it. Um, yeah. Just just leaving out that one important point of context that people may have wanted Cleopatra's royal power, and that's why they didn't care if she wasn't super attractive. Um, yeah, just, just kind of missing, missing a, a big, old, big old point there that neutralizes your argument. So, you know, please... Please pick a different cool smart lady who got shit done without being hot. I mean, there's plenty of them in history. Yep. Pick a different one. 
Um, Frida Kahlo. Marie Curie. Know. Susan B. Anthony. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were hot. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know that I would just start throwing out names and assume they're not hot because I <laughs> don't know. know. Um, I haven't looked at enough pictures. I'm going to take all that shit back. Well, like if you're, you know, if you're really going like, oh no. Anyway, I, I guess I, I guess we don't really know much about common people in Egypt because it's not like anyone saved records on that shit. You know, we get lucky once in a while. You're like, huh? I guess Neftali made some bread. Cool, but most <laughs> of the time we really only know about the royals. Um, anyway, um. I guess we already we already talked about this uh the whole needless gendering of energies. I don't I mean we talked a little bit about it earlier, but yeah, I really I really wish the energy part was more telling people that it's okay to embrace all aspects of your personality regardless of how other people may categorize or gender them rather than saying your body can't handle living in masculine energy all the time. I mean, I really think all she's trying to say is like, hey, you can't be like severe and closed off and analytical every second. You need to pull those tools out when it's appropriate to. You know, like embrace different aspects of your personality for when you need them and don't always try to subscribe to one thing or the other because you think you need to be. So again, this is like another moment of like you just need a little finessing and to abandon this feminine masculine dichotomy shit. It just really dilutes the entire point, especially of the femininity chapter. Why not just agree that these traits don't have to be one or the other? They can just Mm -hmm. be an aspect of your personality, and everyone's a little bit of a different mix of all these different things. So why cram it into masculine versus feminine? Yeah, again, I my best guess is that this is just the language she has, and she hasn't quite ventured out of the uh the sex binary yet you know not not everybody's there yet i guess all right uh can we talk about the finance jesus christ yeah speaking of perhaps um perhaps the biggest (laughs) biggest confusing thing that we encountered here the finance chapter is, is just a trash fire in terms of advice it's it's like Absolutely. it's like two paragraphs too. It's like barely there, and it sucks. I <laughs> yes. So the finance chapter, um, perhaps one of the biggest aspects of changing your life. It's probably not a huge part of identity switching in terms of like changing your mindset a little bit, but it's a pretty important part of your life. And April goes with if you believe you'll get money, you'll get money. Just don't worry about it. If you can't pay a bill, don't worry about it. If- Lady, this is one spot you definitely can't just fake it till you make it, okay? (laughs) Like, you you gotta have a plan. Yeah, I... uh, And, like... I was gonna say, at least the Ho Tactics guy presented a method for gaining some financial stability, which is the one thing I will give him. It was a terrible way. Don't do it. It's bad. But, like, it's a method instead of just, I don't know, hope. Yeah, I, I... I mean, I think the most confusing thing about this chapter for me is that you may remember earlier we were praising April for saying, you know, you can't just pray about it, right? Like, you gotta actually take action. But then in this chapter, she's like, eh, but when it comes to money, like, just hope about it. And that that seems like the same thing to me. really... No, 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 no. Uh, (laughs) And it just... I don't understand how this is any different from just praying about it because it kind of seems like that except it's not just hoping about it it it's it is the one thing that really baffled me where i thought wow that is that is not good i mean 
I don't know if we really have to explain why this is a bad strategy, <laughs> um, especially if it's not just you, right? If you have a family you're supporting or children, um, you know, any kind of relatives or other beings that rely on you, even if you have a cat, right? Like, you got to think about them, too. You can't just be like, oh, man, I guess the heat's going to get shut off. Oh, well. I, I guess I, I guess uh, you can kind of reorient this to say that if you're changing your mindset about a lot of other things, this will even spill over into your job prospects or your finances in that way, where if you believe you're worth a job interview, you'll apply for it instead of cutting yourself off and being like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Hey, they yeah, want me anyway. yeah, that's that. That's true. She does say that in the same chapter, which I think is good advice, but. This, this might also just be another instance of her not really finessing an idea well enough to get the idea across clearly, because this legitimately just sounds like, oh, well, I can't, I guess my car is going to get repossessed. Oh, well, nothing I can do about it, which is like, like, get your fucking money together. Go borrow money <laughs> from your neighbor. Call your mom. Fucking God, get a loan from the bank. I mean, there's just so many things that you could try before giving up. I. It stands in such stark contrast to the entire rest of the book. Yeah, it's very weird. But again, I think you are getting to the core of what she's actually trying to say, which maybe isn't this. But that is sort of what she directly states is like, just hope about it. But I think what she's trying to say is that. You need to believe in yourself enough to go to like, like you said, like, you know, apply for a job that maybe you think you won't get or like charge more for your products. Although I think she takes that a little too far with the self-help videos for hundreds of dollars. But, you know, like the fruit, the gift baskets, whatever she was making, you know, she realized like she was kind of selling herself short by charging so little for them. And I think it's more about that, but just the way that she put it is something else entirely. So yes, maybe rework indeed. that chapter. Speaking of reworking chapters, uh, there's a lot of ideas that are repeated from other chapters that yeah. could have benefited from a little bit of a reorg here and there. So the habits chapter in particular talks about keeping a tidy space, making time for yourself and choosing a good friend group, all of which are repeated in the environment, self-care, and friendships chapters specifically. So habits and self-care especially could have been one chapter about having a routine that benefits you. You could have just called it her routine yeah. instead of dividing it into habits and self-care. And you could have left the friendships part and, you know, environment even as part of their own area about, you know, keeping your spaces clean and caring for, you know, how you're living and caring about or selecting friendships that benefit you and aren't, you know, weighing you down. Why include that in a habits chapter? Yeah, I I agree. Like as much as we said that in general this was like kind of written okay and you know, sort of organized it, it does need again just just a little bit more finessing i do think it could have been edited a bit more to um cut out some of this repetition and make the chapters a little more self-contained because like you said you know we'll be you know she'll talk about friendships and then a couple chapters later go into more detail about it it's like well let's just keep all these ideas together right like you said you know just keep everything that's related together um and I, I yeah i think it could have been shortened and edited a little bit i i agree with you there a couple of moments of there's one particular thing that stood out to me was when she's talking about 
um, clothing in the style chapter, which, which is actually a pretty focused chapter. That's a good example of keeping all the things in, mm. in one area. She talks about getting a bra fitting, which is a great I- idea. But she her advice is like, go to JCPenney. I think they still do bra fittings. You could look that up. You could just look yeah. and see if they still do that. Yeah, or just say, or just say, get a bra fitting. You can try your local JCPenney or other establishments like that, right? Like, yeah, anything that would have maybe been a bit better than telling people about this thing that might be defunct. I yeah, real simple fix there. I feel like yeah, that's an easy one. Um, and similarly, I just think that this would have been enriched by some footnotes with evidence for a lot of stuff because a lot of the things that she talks about you know whether it's meditation or kind of keeping your environment clean and tidy or um getting enough sleep you know allowing yourself grace i mean so many of the things that she talks about that it's really good advice are backed up by science and if she just had some footnotes that you know led to some you know whether it's directly to a good study or maybe even just like kind of a you know uh, a really good a uh, really good piece of journalism that addressed some of those things i think that would really punch this up so i don't know that this is like a super negative thing but i usually like some evidence in my self-help books because otherwise it's just kind of someone telling you and eh, this worked for me it might work for you but a lot of the things she advocates have been shown to help a lot of people in a lot of different scenarios. And I think it's it's really, in general, it's a lot of good advice, right? So why not punch it up a little bit with some with some real evidence there, cite some things. Um, and yeah, I just I just think that would that would give it even it would lend it um even more credence, right? Um Yeah. Yeah. And I don't no, think do it would a take little much historical work. fact do a, do a little historical fact research before you start talking about Cleopatra yeah. and that mysterious something that she had that, <laughs> I don't know. She, what, what could it be? Oh, really good jewelry, maybe. It's so uh, hard to, yeah, it's so hard to put my finger on why she was so charming and why the rulers of Rome wanted to shack up with her. <laughs> I don't know. What could it be? Oh, I know. It's because she was a smart woman. No. Yeah, that's um, it. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's part of it, but. Uh, yes. <laughs> We're not discounting it, but there's a pretty big component as to why, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Other world leaders were probably uh, trying to be in communication with her. Yeah. Or met her even. Yeah. Or, you know, fuck her in a tent and make her pregnant. I mean, that's those are things that happen. Is that what happens? Is that a historical fact? Uh, as far as I know. Uh, I'm <laughs> Who told fa- you about the tent fuck? I'm gonna, well, I did study classics for six years, but um, this was. Uh, yes, the tent fucking lesson. <laughs> Yeah, you know, tent fucking two o three. It's required for juniors. Um, oh, if only those uh, that couple in Beach Read would have taken that course. <laughs> Don't do it near oh, a burnt out husk God. of like uh, some kind of children's campfire. So. <laughs> um, oh fuck! I'm so deep, sorry. Deep I like there for you. Listen to the Beach Read episode. Um, I'm trying to remember. She definitely had. Oh my god, she definitely had. I want to say, oh my god, I want to say Caesar's Child, but it might have been Mark Antony's. Um, I'm, I'm really just concerned about the tent fuck aspect. Uh, yeah, That's that like... might have just been an embellishment in a text. Um, <laughs> okay. It also could have been me poorly translating Latin because <laughs> that's also <laughs> possible. Um, you 
thought it meant tent when really it meant palace, you know, easily confused. Or And, you know, I thought it meant fuck, but it was actually like dined, you know, who knows. Um, That's why good translators are important. That's very true. Uh, yeah, yeah, she had she had Caesarian. Oh, that yeah, okay, there it is. Yeah, yeah, she did. She had kids by both of them. Okay, I'm not crazy. Right. This did happen. Um, there was tent fuck. There, yeah, I think. Okay, so I, the tent fucking. <laughs> we're uh, really, sorry, so, I've latched on to this. But uh, well, we're right. talking about verifying historical information. This is the kind of research we're talking about, people. Yeah, you got to get in those fucking weeds near the tent. Peer in. <laughs> um, I, I think. Okay, so again, this was like a long time ago. Yes, I studied classics for six years, but it, but six, those six years were probably 15 years ago at this point. So I'm pretty far removed from my classic stuff. Um, you know who could solve this problem for us? Jeremy Swiss, Dr. Swiss. We should, I should just go to Twitter and just tweet at him right now. Quick, I need to know. Excuse me, Dr. Swiss? Dr. Swiss, did Cleopatra fucking attend? Well, I, the reason get out of that, my office. The, the reason that I say that that there there may have been uh, tent fucking is because um, uh, they, from what I remember, I'm pretty sure that Caesar like met up with her kind of like on the road, and so they, you know, they had tents set ah. up because they were you know traveling during a campaign or something. But this could just be me really misremembering or poorly translating something. I I don't know. Oh. All right. Well, that was a fun tail end to this here, Paris. We, we, we you know what? We will ask Doctor Swiss about this. See if he has anything to say about it, and we can edit in a little uh, addendum here. So as soon as you said Ted fucking, uh, I knew exactly what the text in question is here. Uh, and it wasn't poorly translated. The thing is that it was not Plutarch. It was not uh, anything from the ancient world. It was the HBO Rome series, uh, in which uh, the character that of Cleopatra uh, meets up with uh, a couple Roman soldiers uh, out in the desert who were out to uh, fetch her because she was still out in exile from Alexandria. And uh, those were the two main characters of the show, Titus Pluto and Lucius Perinus. And uh, I won't get into the plot details, but essentially Cleopatra hooks up with legionary Titus Pulo in a tent. Uh, and then, surprise, surprise, a few months later, she, uh, well, nine months later, she delivers a child and passes it off as the child of Julius Caesar, who, with whom she met up with uh, shortly after that encounter in the tent. Uh, this is an entirely uh, fictional uh, part of the story manufactured by HBO. Okay, great. Now that that's cleared up, can we fix it? Sure. I mean, I think the simple tweaks of removing the gendered energy thing, really rethinking that whole finance chapter or maybe tossing it out entirely, maybe not entirely. That's a pretty important part of, you know, changing your lifestyle, but being very clear when you speak about good things coming to you make sure you're talking about it from the perspective of like if you implement these other lifestyle changes this will help you have more opportunities in your life and that might help with your finances 
Um, sure. And yeah, like you said, more footnotes, a little bit more fact checking and just, you know, a little extra effort in terms of making sure that JCPenney is actually still doing broadly. <laughs> well, and I mean, the Cleopatra thing was like less fact checking and more providing relevant context, for an example, right? Like you got to make sure you're not missing a point that is critical to your example <laughs> um, or to, to actually rendering your example incorrect. Uh, but that, I mean, that's like a little, a little nitpicky thing in general. I think just a, a little bit more editing and finessing in a couple points, you know, getting rid of the, the bits of redundancy. Um, yeah. The degendering of the energies, although I don't know if she'd do that because it does seem to be part of her very smart tactic to lure people in who are attracted by that shit. Um, and then lastly, what was the other thing? Uh, I feel like there was something else. Oh, right. You said you said footnotes already. So, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, it's got it's got good advice in it. Uh, the presentation is okay. You know, could be could be cleaned up a bit. I think is kind of our the gist of what we're saying. Oh, and God, rewrite yeah. rewrite the finance chapter for the oh for the love of everything. That that yeah. that's gotta be that's, cleared that's up. That's a glaring flaw there. Yeah. Um. um so yeah. Yeah. Not. Not really a yuck a minute episode here, but that's what happens sometimes when you judge a book by its cover and it actually turns out to be fine. Like, you know, there's not much laughable stuff in here. Yeah. Sometimes I, we, we, we do just turn into a book critique podcast. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, in, in a sea of really awful self-help books by people like Jordan Peterson and, you know, Ben Shapiro, it's it's refreshing to see something that has some, like, real useful advice that is actually that has been backed up by experience and science and stuff. Uh, even though it might not be clear about that, I still think it's, it's good. Um, and you know, it's kind of the, the parts of Jordan Peterson that makes sense are here, like keeping your room clean. I honestly can't think of anything else that he's ever said that's made any sense. Um, <laughs> uh, does he, do, well, does he traffic in the believe in yourself stuff? I think he does. Right. A li- yeah, yeah. A, a little bit, but it's really more all couched in the what a man should be. Yeah, well, stuff. yeah. So that's a yeah. really dangerous road to start walking down. Yeah, I think, Um. well, I think, yeah, I. from what I remember, I feel like his, like, 12 rules for life or whatever is, like, actually has some okay advice. And then as you move to maps of meaning, that's when, like, the lobster peeing and, and Matt and manly man and eating only lion lobster meat peeing. or whatever. What the fuck did I miss? <laughs> um, well, lobsters pee on each other's heads to communicate. That's how lobsters communicate. Um, and this, this is a, this something is, new today. This is a real <laughs> true fact. Um, okay, sure. I, that's not I... something I'm, like, exaggerating. That's, that's a real thing. Okay, I um, might still double-check that just to be sure. <laughs> I trust you, Paris, but it's such a wild fact that... Well, it's something I learned when I worked at the aquarium, and I and I trust the scientists that I worked with to a have told you the lobster pissed truth. on your head to tell you that um, I wanted more food. But uh, he... Peterson's connection to lobsters... Um, I forget if he actually talks about the peeing or if it was something else. Oh, no. He talks about lobsters and, like, social status. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the peeing probably came into play. Um, But it's a very fucking stupid connection to be like, we must learn from the lobster's social hierarchy. It's like, 
yo, yo, bro, we ain't fucking lobsters. Like, I don't know if you've like, seen I don't know. your hands and your lack of a tail and an exoskeleton, but it doesn't really line up one to one. Yeah, it's like sure we can we can take lessons from other species, but I think you're you're really uh crowbarring in some some things <laughs> like uh like oh you know the you, like fucking dating in crypto didn't have a part where it's like. Animals with horns wrestle each other until they die, like rams or something. Wasn't there like a weird like? Yes. Uh, yeah. So Guys. it was it was something similar to that where he was just like, "See, the lobsters do it. Therefore, it's an immutable rule of of life that <laughs> like everyone uh, follow the lobster piss plate rules for life." <laughs> oh God. Um, I'm actually I'm pretty sure that all lobsters pee from their faces at each other to communicate but um yeah i'm pretty sure it's all all lobster species i don't think that's like unique um but you know because the, the pee has like pheromones and that communicates a particular idea um or maybe pheromones isn't the right word because this is like an underwater creature and not something airborne i don't quite remember but it's something to that effect um sorry we are now talking about lobster okay pee. Um, <laughs> so welcome How to about, Terrible Book Club. Uh, uh, yeah, Terrible Book Club. And thank you, patrons, for allowing us the time, space, hosting, and, uh, you know, book funds to talk about lobster piss play. Thank you, patrons. <laughs> um, You know, in terms of, of talking about, like, would we recommend this? I don't know. I I think that's, a, that's sort of a tough one for me. Uh, I feel like it does have a lot of good advice, but... This is also just advice that I could probably like list off for someone, but I do think that if somebody was like, "Hey, I, you know, I'm trying to like pull myself out of the cesspool of like, you know, the dating and crypto dude bro philosophy," I might be like, "Okay, maybe check out April Mason," you know. Um, but I don't know if I would just like offhand recommend this to anybody. Um, just I, I don't know, just because I don't I don't know that the the formatting kind of was you know left some to be desired um and the financial chapter but not terrible yeah. i wouldn't call this a yeah. terrible book yeah I, I i think i'm landing in the exact same spot as you paris yeah anywho um thank you to our patrons as always thank you to our patrons that's thank you to dari greg veronica will d jared lynn senior Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Beast with the Least, Scott H., Robin, Lax Stodies, Of the Void, The Taco-Eating Unicorn, Kiwi Thing, Hobbyboy93, and our newest patron, Harry7. Thanks, y'all. All right, Paris. I am, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go piss on someone's head to tell them that I like them, I guess. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh... where I'm landing on this. All right, Rebecca, get yourself a good rain jacket. You heard me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to go this way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, Paris. Oh, goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. 
You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.